Hello, Wiffle Nation, and welcome back to another episode of the Wiffle Talk Hour. I'm your host, Josh Smith. Last episode was a vault release of some copy pasta special for you listeners, so you could have some rich context for my guests that I have today. I've been playing and organized wiffle ball, mostly of my own design, for nearly 25 years. Does that command any respect? No, but it does sometimes afford some unique opportunities. When they literally have no one else to host, I step in behind the mic for holy commutes in the off-season to lend my voice. In one of my last episodes, I recited an oral history of wiffle ball in the Mountain State, easily one of the most obscure passages of the sport, putting my cornering of this particular niche on full display. I recounted all the known leagues to have inhabited West Virginia during my time in the sport, which is to say, the age of the internet. So, my apologies if there is unknown evidence of former leagues out there that have documentation on scrolls waiting to be unearthed in some hollows, or painted in caves within the Appalachian Mountains, or buried in the ruins of coal camps, or flooded in the river valleys. One league I made special mention of was one of only two leagues to have ever existed at the same time that any of my leagues have. An extremely rare and brief overlap, the Matt Velez Wiffleball League, a.k.a. Wheeling Wiffle Association. I don't know how many people listen to my contributions to Holy Commutes. It's a program that is almost exclusively tournament-centric. Admittedly, it's about more than just the NWA tournament, so progress. So when you have a host such as myself on the show talking about wiffleball leagues, I assume it may come across as white noise. But little did I know, this episode would serve to connect me with a guy from a defunct Matt Velez wiffleball league. And I'll be chatting with him when we come back from this break. Welcome back. I'm joined by my guests, Michael McNeil, and a couple other players from the Matt Velez Wiffle League, formerly known as the Wheeling Wiffle Association. They're from Wheeling, West Virginia, of course. For those unaware, Wheeling served as our state's original capital city, and as it turns out, as far as I'm aware, our state's earliest known wiffle ball league. When I was first starting out and organizing my first league around 2001, the Wheeling Wiffle Association was already kicking, and they called Meadow Lane Park home where uh, early into, and they were already early uh, into their long rivalry with Flint, Michigan's own Major League Yard Ball, in which they alternated hosting each other to play. 
when I think of the Matt Velez uh, Wiffle League, it conjures up memories of AIM, Dial-Up, SNCC, and other awesome pre-9-11 things. And it's hard not to smile <laughs> thinking of these simpler times. Uh, welcome to the show, guys. Um, I'm just going to let you guys probably introduce yourselves here, and then we'll just kind of get started. It's always a little clumsy <laughs> uh, having multiple guests and um, kind of getting things started. So we'll just sort of organically get things going and, and kind of go from there. Yeah, uh, Matt DeSantis here. Uh, what we've been playing wiffle ball for twenty three years. Twenty three years. Twenty started years. in freshman year. Yeah, right. um, Mike McNeil, the former commissioner and host of the uh, wiffle ball league, and Eric Blancic, just regular player. <laughs> just player. Don't sell yourself short. Regular ace. Because I got the two aces here, the two best pitchers in the league. So. Nice. So you, you definitely brought your best uh, to the <laughs> to the interview here. So we brought the A team. We brought the A team. <laughs> well, I'm flattered. So um, it's never a very inspired beginning uh, when, when I interview people about their leagues, uh, whether they're still around or, I guess, in this case, uh, not. Uh, what what prompted the beginning of? I, I guess initially it was the Wheeling Wiffle Association, and you guys later renamed the league we'll, we'll kind of get into that later what how did this league start back in the day so if you want to tell the wiffle ball story you have to tell the osfl story right, right. which so we grew up in wheeling which is we went to wheeling catholic high school so we all kind of knew each other from growing up playing sports against each other we all went to different grade schools that were catholic grade schools and then we all fed into the same high school so we kind of knew each other before we even got to high school and we had this football league, right, that we played every Saturday for, for what, six or seven or eight months. I mean, from, like, September through, I think it was April. And, you know, rain or shine or snow, we would play football. We would get the same eight to ten guys, you know, and play. And really that was kind of the beginning of the wiffle ball league because we saw we had this league in place already. And we saw how much, you know, we we had the right group of guys, right? It was right right place, right time. And then – Everyone was over at my house. We had the old, um, you know, the old black box where you could watch wrestling yep. back in the day. And so we had, you know, like a sleepover back when you would have people over at your house. So I think Matt was there and his twin brother Mike and uh, Mark Conaway and Velez and Bruno. And so Scrape Peck was probably there. And so it was a Friday night. Everyone stayed at my house. Saturday, uh, we woke up. We were going to play f- football as we did every Saturday. And uh, we were playing basketball. I remember Velez dunked on the hoop. We would we had this hoop that would lower down to like six feet and we had dunk contest. And anyways, the ball would inevitably roll down the hill. Our, our My parents' house and driveway sat elevated uh, above the field. The field was kind of down uh, by the interstate. And so the ball f- went down there, and I think Mark saw the baseball field, or the wiffle ball field that we had played there you know, before hmm. as, as kids. And so uh, Mark's like, why don't we just play wiffle ball today? And that was really, I think, the first time and it wasn't popular at first because our football league was very dedicated and very, uh, you know, that was kind of the thing to do, right? Nobody ever wants to do the unpopular thing. So playing wiffle ball was that was the first time we played. And then uh, we played throughout that summer, that first summer. We didn't always get enough guys. You know, Velez lived across the street from me, and there was only one other kid that lived in our neighborhood. So there was not many people that, you know, none of us, we were 15 years old. None of us had mm. cars. None of us, you know, could drive. So, um it took some time that first summer, you know, we would try to get, cause you need six to play an official game. You got to have six. So yeah. sometimes we wouldn't get six, we'd get four, but, uh, we got through that first year. I think we played 40 games or so. And then, um, the real big break was when the, the Michigan guys 
got a hold of us. Yeah. And so we had our website. You know, we made this website from scratch, and the only way to contact us would be through this west the the guest book on the website. And so Andy Taylor and uh, Phil Bradley, Mike Jones, these three guys from Michigan, they were going to the Little League World Series in Williamsport, which is north central Pennsylvania. But mm. on the way back, they said, you know, we'll come through Wheeling if you guys want to play a series. And uh, it was raining. It was pouring down rain. You remember you were it was miserable miserable and uh we got our asses kicked the first game eric wasn't there yet <laughs> so at this point we weren't we were very like um i got stood up i uh one of my good friends who wasn't he was in the league but he would never have made the team he wouldn't have mm. played it if yeah. he was the only one that had a car at the time and so his instructions were to pick me up and take me to the game but he was like no i'm just gonna leave him at home and this will give yeah. me a better chance of playing in the game so I actually had to go down the street to another friend's house and have his mom drive me to the game. And this was uh, – you cannot overstate how different the times were. There was no cell phones. You know, there was no text messaging or social media. There was just these, <laughs> guys, these guys hit us up <laughs> on the guest book and, uh, you know, we called them on like a landline phone for a couple minutes. And yeah. we were like, meet here at 4 o'clock. And uh, it was pouring down rain. It was like just monsooning mud. And uh, we had set the field up. We, we didn't even think they were going to come. And there was like a McDonald's down the road they hung out at for about an hour. And then – the the skies cleared and they came up and they beat the shit out of us in the first game. It was just <laughs> we thought we were good, you know, we've been playing and uh, but we never really our, the first year we played. And these guys can speak on this more because they were the best pitchers. We didn't really pitch like uh, with any skill. We would just kind of threw the ball over the plate. Mm. Just kind of wanted to hit home runs. That would come back. The, more. the first year we played, we didn't even we weren't even tr- trying to throw really anything. We wanted to make it more of a home run league. Mm. So like it was essentially just lobbing pitches for the most part. With yeah, the it was occasional. It was, you know, put some curve on it, but it was hard enough to hit a wiffle ball, you know, as it is, right? Sure. We didn't even have a strike zone. Yeah, we, uh, we did have the, yeah, the first the, year, the, first the, NWA, year was just, the, the coffee that was, table. That was later. The coffee table. Yeah. There was nothing that first yeah, year. That was, it was yeah. just straight up, you know, subjective. So, yeah, we were really, plus we wanted guys to come back because, like I said, we did not have, we did not get enough guys many days. So we wanted guys mm-hmm. to hit home runs. You know, the guys weren't, weren't as good. And so we played these guys and they're come out. And Taylor was famous for the, he had his rise ball. It's just, you could not hit it. I mean, just physically impossible to hit. So uh, the first game they beat the, they beat they beat us up, and in the second game we always had this rule where you had to take a game off from pitching. So they threw Mike Jones, who was not really much of a pitcher, and they went up like seven or eight nothing in that game. But we came back and won that game. And then the last game was close. We lost, but it was close. It was like you know. So I think if they would have just mercy ruled us again, they might have never came back to Wheeling. They might have not worth <laughs> our time. But uh, you know, we 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 gave them a series and then we really kind of geared up for them, you know, all year. That was really our, hmm. you know, that was like the pinnacle of the year was playing them. Cause they were, they were so good. I mean, they were, I mean, Andy Taylor just passed away and I read reading his obituary. He was a division one baseball player could have gone to any D one school he wanted to, but he chose to stay with his, with his buddies and go to a small school. But these guys were good. I mean, plus they were grown men when we were hmm. you know, 15 years old. So yeah, yeah we got a rude awakening to, what wiffle balls could actually do yeah 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 you know the whole art of pitching you know we were just kind of like just letting them hit it and so that was really good to be honest playing them changed the league for us because we got to see that rise ball that first time and we were just blown away by the rise ball so Mm. we kind of morphed our league into actually trying to you know actually become a more pitcher focused league we got the backs off the next year we had a friend that had a his dad owned a glass business, so he would. It was called Allied Plate Glass, and he would 
he made this strike zone for us where I forget what the framing was, but essentially it was all glass on the outside with a, the middle cut out in a big. We definitely had the best backstops in America. And it was more like a, it was like an iron sharpens iron thing, right? Like you're mm-hmm. playing against these guys and you're seeing, okay, there's like a whole world that we. So these guys, I mean, we're our best pitchers. They started developing, you know, hard, you know, they, they could throw it for a strike pitches that were hard to hit. And that was really a game changing move, you know, because it. We got a lot more competitive, you know. We got a lot better. And, I mean, we played every day. So there's something to be said for repetition and, you know, getting reps in life. So by the time we played them the second year – well, and also the first year. <laughs> so my mom was work. She's a nurse, so she's at work all day when we're trying to play this wiffle ball game. And uh, she hears they're from Flint, Michigan. And even even Kathy McNeil in Little Wheeling, West Virginia, knew Flint, Michigan wasn't the best town right. uh, in the country. <laughs> That's you know? why we didn't play at your house. We weren't allowed to play at my house. We had to go play out where we played our football league out of the <laughs> And so we, I think we made the field like way too small. So it was like, <laughs> we're, fire, you know, we're getting up nine home runs in the first inning. Uh, but then the second time they came in, they, they came to our house and it was like, it was, it was, you, you probably could have filmed it. And it was that competitive. It, you know, we had we, our guys were good. You know, I think our our team was pretty damn good, and they were loaded. So every year we got a little bit closer to beating them. And we finally got over the hump. Yeah, we lost in seven that that second year. Yeah, but it was, was like a really close series. Like they got us like right in like the sixth inning, I think. And these guys, seven. like I said, they, these guys played college baseball, so they had yeah. they would bring guys out that were college baseball pitchers. You know, throwing to us with a you know four year advantage. So. That's really how the series began. And then, obviously, if you're going to tell the story of our league, you have to tell the story of Matt Velez, who was our friend in high school, played for two years, passed away, you know, in November uh, of our junior year. So that was – we had played two years of our league. He passed away, and then our league really kind of took off because of – you know, we're from a small community where Hmm. a lot of people rallied around that and found out about our league and – uh, that third year, we actually had like set teams. We had enough interest where we could actually have permanent. You know, we had a draft, and you had captains, and that was your team for the summer. And that was really, you know, kind of took off after that. Draft day, draft day. <laughs> I think it's interesting that you guys, uh, you're, you're sort of tied uh, and dovetailed to this uh, league uh, from from Michigan, at which uh, we've not mentioned the name of it, but it's Major League Yardball. Uh, MLY, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, had they already had? Uh, their league at that point, or were they just some guys uh, heading to the you know the World Series? They had a league and they had you know a website and everything, and they were um, you know like I said, older and probably more financially stable. Yeah. You know, so they they had they they were, they were legitimate league, yeah. And they, like I said, they played full time baseball at the time too. They were yeah. all college baseball players, so they would play. You know, they would get guys from their college. So you can imagine how competitive these games are. Yeah, They're not your London, Ohio. You know, right. Throw, throw the ball over the plate these guys and they had no speed limit up there we went up there what our junior year and i mean these guys were just i mean tough to hit you know? one of the pitchers in that league was one of uh one of four uh players to ever strike out Derek jeter in a senior year high school Derek jeter was a michigan guy and he never he was what i think he was 1.1 probably the first overall pick mm. by the yankees and uh yeah, one of the, one of the guys that struck out Jeter had an article in his house uh, when he struck him out. <laughs> yeah, they, these guys were good. I mean, it, yeah. they were. He had four strikeouts a senior, and he was one of the guys that struck him out, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I would I would go on paper and say it was probably the most competitive wiffle ball rivalry in the nation. You know, yeah. ipso facto, the world because these guys were good, and we were getting better every year and getting you know older and stronger, and we played every day. So yeah, I, I just think it's amazing that uh, and, and ironic that. Uh, not just you guys that were, were sort of uh, brought into things and sort of got uh, – the, the ante was upped uh, 
buy a league from Michigan. That that sort of happened with our league as well. Uh, in, in Huntington, uh, there was a guy, Carl Coffey, with Wiffle in Southeast Michigan, which was sort of a Detroit area based league, uh, their their league rules, their format of play, all these different things sort of were incredibly influential um, to our league and really rapidly incubated um, the way that we did things. So uh, it's just kind of amazing. Yeah, there's a lot. You know, the football league can go a lot of different ways, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, you know, there's guys that play with their family at picnics, and then yeah. we were playing like baseball with football. Yeah, I mean, it just stays so. We're, we're pagan, you know. We're we're working on pitching like it, it, it was definitely competitive it was, yeah you know it can like either stay so casual or it can be as serious as you want and it's just amazing that of, of all the places that has influenced west virginia with a ball twice it's a state that doesn't even border <laughs> uh the state right. it's amazing because yeah. that, that's something that i've always found interesting is like there's not really any leagues that border directly west virginia there's not really any leagues in uh in pennsylvania there's there's some now uh, the Wolf is Life League is uh, sort of in the Pittsburgh area, uh, but it, for the longest time there was not really any wiffle ball. Uh, yeah, wiffle ball's area. not. I mean, living in Pittsburgh, wiffle ball's not big up there. Not no. the way that, not the way we played. It's it more sure. closer to Philadelphia, and it's a Northeast game and the Upper Midwest. I do not know why it's just not penetrated uh, Appalachia. You don't need a lot of space, and you don't need a lot of money. Why that doesn't resonate, I don't understand. But uh, if there's uh, any area that a sport could take root, this is this is where invented in uh, Connecticut, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 1953. So uh, it's had its time <laughs> to permeate the area. It just it, it doesn't. So uh, now you said you guys started when you were about 15. So what year would that have been when you guys started? 2000. The, so Y2K was our freshman year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Y2K, you know the famous. Um, I remember New Year's Eve Y2K. So we were freshmen. After freshman year, you know, kind of like that lost zone where you're not old enough to drive, you're not old enough to work, you don't have any money, nothing better to do. However, I had a golf pass, and I would golf, I'd either golf or play wiffle ball every day. And I mean, I was. I actually had my, I got my, I was like kind of old for my age, and I got my license in May of 2000, right after our freshman year. And that's how I ended up with you guys a little bit because I didn't have a car, but if my mom was home and I got to use hers, then I would come out and play. Because he could, Eric, I mean, Eric had what, five of the guys in our league lived on the same road hmm. right five of the guys from our class that all played you know Weethy, Dudek, Jojo, Schutz, yeah. Eric so Eric could just pick them up and once he got them there now we got a game right because I mean we would struggle a lot we would get three or four guys you know uh it wasn't exactly the most popular thing at first you know but once once we got rolling it, it'd be once we got the website going which you know you could kind of see we had the statistics on the website which was kind of like part of that was yeah. to get people drawn to the you know like everybody wants to hit more home runs right and and so this was back when like nobody had websites either like you'd go on espn.com and you know, we had uh html and java yeah, yeah you, angel fire i, I really uh i really want you guys to drive on. home because i i don't i don't know who all is going to be listening to this i i, I presume I, i'm going to be posting this first in our league uh podcast so there's going to be you know half a dozen people that have been you know doing this with me since like you know, you left uh, AIM away messages, so they're going to get it. Right. Uh, some people that might be listening to this that, like, they have discovered with a ball via TikTok. They are just not going to really fully, you know, under. they don't, they have the leagues struggle. and they do they don't not. The yeah, they don't uh, have a league website. Like, can you do your best to really uh, explain the struggle uh, and the love and dedication it takes to, in that time, 
uh, of the turn of this millennium. Of, yeah, so you can, uh, I mean, you cannot overstate how different things were then. Yeah. Like, you know, we used to do our family computer, you would get half an hour, you know, my brother and my sister. And I'd go on what ESPN.com and maybe the Pirates website. And after that, there just weren't that many websites to go to. So Eric and actually my brother and Derek had the wrestling website, right? That if you want to talk about that for they had. <laughs> yeah, we. <clears throat> The one that I started the re- the wrestling website with was actually the one that left me so he could play against the the MLI the first time. <laughs> Same guy. So he uh, started started a website, and we were big into wrestling. This is back like when Stone Cold Steve Austin and oh, The okay. Rock and all those guys, the Attitude Era. So we would just go to like all these wrestling websites, and every time news would break, we would just literally copy and paste the headline, <laughs> copy and paste the story, and yeah. put it in our in our website. So we knew it was completely hijacking other people's work, but it was awesome. It and we was knew a lot of fun. we knew they had this website, which you know I was like, why don't we just start one for the wiffle ball league? And so this kid Dustin Bruno, a friend of ours, was really up with HTML at an early age, you know, really really savvy. And so we made this wiffle ball site, and it was just from scratch, and it was really just mm. like terrible uh, angel fire at first, but <laughs> oh, it was yeah. really just a place where I could write the stats down, put the numbers down, and that way people would come back because. And I made this like player rating system, and it was just kind of like like a PER, but it was just basically it, it the more you played the more it helped your rating so it was just kind of a ploy to get people there right so now we have this website and like i said there weren't that many websites in the day like it's not like now where you have you know a million different websites a million different streaming services to go to like back in the day you watched espn and you went to espn.com and that was about it and they had a monopoly on it so Starting this website that we had, people would go to it. I know people went to it because it would have a hit counter and it right. would have a guest book. And people would post in it and people would be talking about it at school. So that was kind of the impetus of it was to get interest in the league, you know, and I would write little articles about the games. And then, uh, you know, people would be like, all right, you know, I got three home runs. I want to get the seven. Right. So it would get guys there, which was the point. And then, you know, in the off season, we would just kind of freelance it. And, and then, um, once once the league really kind of took off it really became more you know professionally done like we started paying a guy to do it and stuff so that was that was really the thing the the, the website the first year got got the ball rolling that was the point of it yeah i remember all's like, website it was a it was a pretty nice site you guys had a cool like logo with like the little swoop underneath the yeah you know name i mean we gotta thank you i think i speak for everyone thanking you when you uh you know i didn't even realize anyone knew about our website when you did your in january when i was yeah you know the podcast you did um on the history of West Virginia wiffle ball. And, you know, that's, that's, what's cool. It's always fun to rehash that time in our lives. So, yeah. you know, I mean, it, it, I think yeah. everyone in our class, it was pretty, you know, pretty memorable time to, yeah. to play wiffle ball. And then what happened with Matt kind of added to everything. I think yeah, really added some attention to our league and more people. Yeah. I think it's important to remember uh, these types of things as well. Like I kind of uh, cornered a, a niche uh, in the, uh, <laughs> Uh, in the sport here, I was like, and I think it's really important to kind of like leave, leave a record of, of these kind of things. Uh, because, uh, like my, my first league, uh, that website, uh, we had we, most, uh, most of the leagues use a uh, league lineup.com. Uh, it's a, like a amateur baseball or just different kinds of, uh, sports stats you can use. And it just, uh, they pulled the plug on, on our website and a bunch of people's websites at the same time. It was just like, what year did you guys start? We started in 02. Uh, so not long, uh, after you guys had started up. So I remember you hitting us up. Yeah. I'm you, you mentioned the guest book. I'm sure I, I, uh, that was probably 
we communicated multiple times on that. So it was like the precursor. You would to uh, you know meet, meet on the guest book and then get your AIM name. And that was, <laughs> yeah, that, 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 my God, it was a different time. Yeah, I mean, it really was people. To, I, I can practically uh, taste the the code red right now. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So uh, yeah, that was that was the way. I, I mean, uh, we just we never quite could uh, make uh, a, a meetup happen because. Um, uh, West Virginia is not a very big state, but uh, logistically, uh, a road trip. Yeah, right. <laughs> From and we had our we had our not... series of MLY, and they, yeah. it was a home and home, and that was pretty much our schedule. You know, because I mean, think about it. We had we were in school till what end of May, and mm. we all played football. So right. yeah, June and July was about it. Once August started, I mean, double sessions, your life's over. Yeah, you know, you're going to be what eight to four every day, and you're going to go home and recover. You're not going to want to play wiffle ball. Yeah. So we really had two months to play. And the, yeah. It just wasn't a very realistic thing. And that's the thing. It's just, it's so tragic in West Virginia. It's like out of all, that was the main thing of that episode was just like uh, of, of the leagues that have, uh, you know, been founded and lived and died. Uh, there's been very brief and fleeting moments where there's been any overlap at all. Uh, yeah. of any leagues and, and our two leagues, uh, you know, my first league. And, and then of course your all's league was one of the only instances in which there was any, when our website started, there was, there was maybe a dozen leagues in the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, max, I mean, I can remember some of the leagues. I remember the guy with, there's a guy in California. He was like, strawberry hey, field. Strawberry field. Yep. Yeah. Still the guy in Cali. Yeah. Still so. a really <laughs> cool field. I don't, I don't know if it's still there or not, but like I've seen so many field setups, like that's still in a pretty impressive setup. Like if it's still, yeah, that awesome. one, there was the one with the guys with the cul-de-sac major, major like league with the ball. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, there's just what, I mean, there was, and then we had to, what, so we found these guys from Canton, Ohio, which is hour and a half from here. Yeah. And those were the guys. So that was the only other time we played a tournament they had. That would have been our sophomore year. Yeah. And um, Velez actually found that tournament. He hit me up, and we went up there, and we won that tournament, which was – they were pretty – they were like grown men. They were in their 30s, and they had a really nice field. And uh, we went up there and won that one. That was kind of our you know, feather in the cap for our league, winning that one. And But, yeah, there weren't that many leagues. There were, you know, most of them you couldn't even dream of getting to. So. Yeah, just so far away. I, that was, that kind of leads me to one of my questions. Like, you, you've answered some of them that I had. Uh, just a, it, It's just a natural flow, you know, here. But did you – Having listened to that episode that I did, uh, that kind of prompted this very conversation we're having right now, are you aware of any leagues in West Virginia or just in you know the Pennsylvania Ohio area near that I missed? I can't think of. I mean, I can't name one. You gotta understand. I mean, there weren't that many like. But some like some I of said, it maybe word of mouth or something. Country that time. Nowadays, I see way more fields popping up. I yeah. think. With TikTok and and um, there's those guys, there's Michigan kids that have a pretty yeah. I think Barstool backs them in some instant things. Yeah, but Major League Wiffle or whatever, Field. Major League Wiffle or something, but uh, yeah, I mean you see fields nowadays, but there was just not that many in the day. I mean just no, well, we mean, didn't even play with anybody like in our area, like outside of just like our group. Of it players. was even foreign to us at first. I mean, trying to get people to play wiffle ball, they're yeah. kind of you know. Was, we we had a pretty set schedule we play like every sunday i think at like one o'clock and like that's when we would start however many games we had that play especially like when we got into league play when we had enough guys where we had a set a whole summer we had a set team that you played uh the entire year uh which which is hard to do because you need three guys from every team every week you know to show up dedication wheeling's kind of spread out town not everyone lives in the same neighborhood um so that was 
that was that was probably the year that like it really took off because uh, we had a lot more players that were wanting to play that never played the first couple of years, uh, especially a lot of them. Like one thing that he didn't really get a, to touch base on was after Matt passed away, Mike was one of the people that helped organize a thing that our school actually put on. It was called the Matt Velez Wiffleball Tournament. 15 years it ran, I think. At least, yeah. So mm-hmm. Wheeling Central would put it on. Uh, one of our teachers, our Spanish teacher, Senora Wilson, she was unbelievable. She did as uh, like 12 years, 13 years after we graduated high school. She was still putting it on. And uh, she organized it so the whole school would play. So boys, girls, you know. Yeah, so really our whole town. I mean, anyone that grew up in Wheeling from our age, 15 years younger, if you're familiar with wiffle ball, which mm. is probably more people than country that are it was, familiar in wheeling the most was because of that. It was right. always on Memorial Day weekend. It was just a one-day event, but they had – we played in a giant baseball outfield. We would so go up to an outfield and make like six fields. Yeah. Like up against so the fence or something. you were the whole thing in one day, but there was like – just the first year that we did that, you you saw just a huge uptick in like interest and people actually wanting to play. People of all ages, right? Jimmy, Jimmy D had a team in there, Matt's dad, and uh, – yeah, that, that went on for, like, 15 years. And, like, um, Velez has had family in uh, Philly, and they would come in and play. And then the kids from the high school would always play. That was always – that was fun. That was... I was going to actually ask something about that because I, I, I vaguely recall seeing something in a, a in the paper about that down in Charleston that kind of, like, came down through the intelligencer or something. And I was like, I wonder if that is <laughs> – has any kind of uh, relation on it because it, it didn't – it basically just mentioned there was a tournament. It didn't have like a you know a great wealth of information. It was uh, fun. It was more fun than competitive. I mean, you would see like fifteen-year-old yeah. girls, you know, show up in there. The yeah. girls they'd were allowed to these, use the big red bats, and they would make these like outfits, you know, like yeah, come get mercy ruled. Yeah. yeah, it was more. It was more for the cause than sure. than for actually. Yeah, it was charitable. You know, they they raised some money and uh, yeah, they um, what was the eight the the AED yeah the AEDs. the fibrillators. Matt's yeah. Matt's mom kind of made it her her goal their mission to uh, put these aeds in every school because mm. central did not have one when he passed and it might you know could, could definitely say a couple of minutes there could save a save a life with those aeds yeah. so that was kind of the the impetus of the the she, she certainly led the charge and she got him in every single school in the county yeah well yeah, so um, that was, i guess as, as as much comfortableness uh if that's even a word uh that you that you guys feel uh who was matt velas i guess and, and uh I know he only played for a couple of years, but uh, you know, to you guys, he was more than a player. He's a, a buddy of yours that you guys went to school with. But uh, to anybody that's listening here, they're not going to know who he is other than he's somebody that was a namesake um, of your league for for most of the time that he exists, uh, that the league existed. Like, who was he? You know, as a person, uh, just can you can you just sort of just like tell us about? Well, if you ever heard the saying, "Men want to be him and women want to be with him." <laughs> I mean, athletically, I mean, Division One baseball player would have been his floor, I think. Yeah. Uh, his brother Mike was like, Mike made varsity as a freshman. You know, like there's one kid and in, in, in once in a while that makes varsity as a freshman. And Matt was baseball. Um, so he had this heart condition that he was born with that limited his, you know, how much he could play and stuff. And mm-hmm. remember in Little League, he had like a chest protector that was okay. signed by all the uh, Wheeling Thunderbirds. But I mean, he was he – was I often wonder if I like stretch this the story to make him sound better, but I really think he was a Division One athlete at the worst. I mean, he was incredible. He was the best player in our you know we grew. Up. I went to grade school with him and went to high school, and he was uh, just an incredible athlete. And so he wasn't allowed to play baseball. 
after a certain age because of his his condition. So that was really why the wiffle ball league kind of took off was it was all alternative to him playing baseball because he loved baseball. He, him and I love baseball, favorite sports. So he would come over every day and we would try to get a game going. And uh, yeah, he was, I mean, just a special dude, just really. Just super nice. Just, yeah, just, I mean, you know, I think we all did pretty okay in high school with girls and sports and stuff, but he was on a different planet. I mean, just, <laughs> you know, kind of like Benny the Jet Rodriguez in Sandlot. Oh, okay. You've ever seen that movie? Gotcha. Kind of like, yeah. you know, like it hits puberty first that just, you know, kind of shows you the way. And he was uh, just miles ahead. Just my, yeah, he was just incredible. I mean, person and athlete that really no, legitimately don't remember him ever saying one bad word about anybody ever. Yeah, he was just that guy that I mean, everybody loved him. I mean, definitely. Uh, you know, I mean, tennis was the only sport I think he played really. I mean, okay. we played wiffle ball, and I don't think his his parents let him play wiffle. I don't think they knew how competitive we played wiffle ball. <laughs> people think wiffle ball like kind of like badminton, you know, on Labor Day, but we were like, you know, we're pegging people, we're yeah, on the bases, we're robbing home runs, we're, you know, we're talking shit, so. In our uh, football escapes on Saturday. Yeah, and then we also played football on, I think we probably told everyone we played touch, but we played tackle. And... <laughs> <laughs> we had just won a state quarterfinal game on a Friday night, and we're out playing tackle football without pads on a Saturday. We did not miss a Saturday. It did not, did not matter. <laughs> did not matter what you had going on. You were you were there. Yeah, we had, uh, what do we have, at least six people on the field. Well, we had a lot. I mean, Matt and Mike Matt and Mike lived right up the field. Todd Allen lived right up the field. Mark Conaway and Dan Flatley. You know, we had right everybody in that neighborhood. So, like I said, when we started the Wiffle Ball League, it was because we already had the Football League in place. Mm. You know, we had the infrastructure. We had the right guys. You know, I think that that mattered a lot too i mean think about it. if we were a year above or a year below in high school they might not have had the, might not have had the right yeah. group of guys to do that you know you need you know a core of guys so i think that was that was important that kind of served as a catalyst for you guys then um, yeah for sure wiffle ball was just a lot easier longevity wise because i mean you can show up with six guys and, and you can have a good game going and just keep stats and take a break if you wanted and and you're not breaking an arm, getting tackled. Yeah, way less, way yeah. less contact in not, football. Not tired, not running around all like up and down a fifty yard field. Yeah, but we did. We played. You know, Matt was notorious for like we had this. Uh, you could we had just the hedges were probably what two, two three feet off the ground, so you could mm. very easily jump over to rob a homer. And Velez would, I mean, throw his body up there. Like <laughs> then we had another guy in, in town build another field too, which he had more space uh, down in Clayton Conkle, which was you know we got a little bit older. It was nice to. You know, have uh, a little bit more room to run around. Our field was very narrow. It was kind of like stuck between like like a hillside bank, and the interstate was right below it. And there was kind of like this tree forest with a, not a lot of room. And they had the power lines that ran over right over the pitcher's head, which probably took thousands of home runs away. <laughs> yeah. So you know, every wiffle ball—that's the beauty of wiffle ball. Right? Every yard has a different field. That yeah, yours know. was a little slanted. His was perfectly flat. It uh, his was a little bit wider. That was like the second wave of our wiffle ball league. We actually did a second round of set teams when we were probably twenty one or twenty two. Yeah, this at this point we were certainly in college, if not even a little bit after college. You were probably spent the majority of your summers at that time in Vegas for the World Series of Poker. But me and Matt were around for more more of that league than Mike was probably. Matt, Matt Conkle went to Wheeling Jesuit, and his house was probably. I mean, you could see the campus from his house, and he had obviously a lot of friends that. He met through college, 
So there was a lot of college uh, buddies of his that joined the league. And his cousins, the Doxacene and, and, and all them guys from there. Yeah, so we really... But we still had our, like, our core group of players that would play week in, week out, too. So like it, it just became like a... It got a lot really more, yeah, it, it really, I mean, with Brett and every, I mean, you really had to be good to, to hold your own. I remember the Michigan guys came down. I think it was the final year they came down. And we beat them up pretty good because, you know, we had added some new guys and they were getting a little bit older. And uh, that was kind of yeah the last year. They came down until two years ago. They came down, um, which was nice. It had been a long time. But, yeah, our field was always very small, very, uh, you know, very tight quarters. It was nice to have more room down there. So you, you guys have yeah. – two fields here um i i've read about meadow lane park is, is that the field that was at your house that was my par- yeah that was yeah. in my yard that was my parents backyard that was our first field so um is that the is that the main field you guys had or is that the you, you told you were telling me about a reunion uh game that you guys had before the house was sold is that like the the legacy field that you guys have always had or like can you that, tell me most about of that our one? games were there yeah. um for what the first six seven years every game was there that's where Michigan would come down. We'd play them and everything, but we got a little bit, you know, kind of outgrew that field a little bit, but it was a lot easier to hit a home run there, which was kind of the appeal, right? You wanted yeah. guys to hit home runs. You wanted guys to come back. And then, yeah, these other guys built this field. It was way more spread out, way more land. So you could throw harder and it was harder to hit home runs. It was more like a baseball field. So we yeah. probably played at your house, I would say seven years and we were regularly playing at the Clater field for probably about three or four. Mm. Yeah. But, and it was nice to have both. You know, you could, you could do both. You yeah. could play Sunday. You know, Sundays we'd start at my house, and then we'd all combine down there. But yeah, it was that that was a game changer for sure. But the field in my backyard was very, just very small, very, very quaint. <laughs> now, uh, did you uh, the what about a strike zone or anything? Like uh, I, I vaguely remember some photos that looked like some sort of a uh, a thing with a cutout uh, in the That's middle. That's what of Eric it. was talking about. Our, yeah. our buddy Luke Seidler had a they own a glass company, so they yeah. made these real nice wooden backstops with mm. glass on the interior, and they would cut out a strike zone. Okay. So if it went through it, it was a strike. Okay. So it's basically uh, the opposite of how people do strike zones now, where it's like a negative space for the ball to go through instead of the yes. way it is now. Right. Okay. Michigan yeah. had that. Michigan had a little like uh, placard behind the plate, and you had to hit that. Yeah. Which was a lot. Which has kind of like become the standard, like what they use now. But ours was okay. It was it was just pretty nice because it was. He would make it. It almost looked like a giant picture. For it him. was really so like, well done. You, actually, you could, you could port. It was very portable. You could take it literally anywhere, and you know it's not like you had to dig up any dirt to put it in the ground. Like you just and we'd run that tournament with Central, and Luke would bring like six of them. You know, which was great because you need a backstop. You got to have some sort of strike zone. So it also was a lot of less arguments because the ball went through the, the glass. It was a strike. <laughs> if it didn't. Yeah, you know. Yeah, there's literally no argument. You really, for one for one year, we actually had the first year before we did that, we had just a, a like a screen, and we put tape on it and made it like a big uh, strike zone square rectangle for the strike zone. But you know, there's no like way for it to go through it, so you know you could argue like ah, they didn't hit the tape. Ah, right. they didn't hit the zone. <laughs> to a lot of uh, Eric Polanski and Andy Taylor, so and Ryan McNeil. So you guys, yeah. you found a way a to make a, a to make a definitive strike zone uh, out out of your backstop thing. Oh, and yeah. Taylor would throw this pitch. I mean, you just could not hit it. I mean, he'd scuff the ball up. He'd rub it in the dirt. Throw this. I mean, those guys were tough. His riser was unbelievable. But they also had a guy named Bud Bud Taylor or no Bud, Bud Sharon. No, that's Brian Bud Sharon. Clark. Bud Brian Clark. Bud Clark. Bud Clark had this like I I don't even know how to describe how he threw this, but it. it a splitter like a yeah it's it into you it was unbelievable and then he threw like 
super fast, way, way faster than we were ever like. Yeah, that was always to. point of contention because they would throw. They had no speed limit. You know, they were like. But mm. in my opinion, the one thing that keeps wiffle ball from really being on ESPN every day is the, the whole speed factor because yeah. you get to a point where you just throw it so fast, it's just physically unhittable. It's unhittable. Right. You know, I can go. We used to go to Michigan. We'd play games that were. 11 innings, zero, zero, and I would just be throwing as hard as I could, or Eric would, I mean, just, just couldn't hit it. And yeah, it was either, really a, the only way to score would be to get four walks, and nobody wants to do it's that. It's boring. It really takes the fun out of the game. Or a lucky home run. Yeah, yeah, wiffle ball's a game of, you know, you want to hit the ball. You want to play defense. I always like playing defense. I was always fun. Yeah. I mean, we we kind of had a police your own yourself system. Like, it was very much like MMA or boxing sparring. Like, you're Tennis. willing to throw as hard as you're, you know, like if you're gonna throw a punch in boxing uh, sparring, you better be willing to get hit that hard too. So like, right. if you don't want to get hit very hard, don't throw very hard. So like, we we kind of did that, and we would have like a very, you know, like hey, that was a little too fast, you know, and then you'd have to slow it down a little bit. Which but, was always, you know, you never want to be the guy to be like, oh, it was too fast. You know, you want to sound like a, like a girl, but you also <laughs> had to like please the people, you know. Yeah, and, it it would get out of hand. So, but it, it it made it so you were actually able to hit the ball. Usually, the farther the series went along, the faster the pitch. You know, game six, game seven. <laughs> You're bringing the heat. Yeah, um, but I mean, there's definitely got to be a, a speed limit because if you don't have a speed limit, yeah, like you got a guy that throws strikes and has movement, you're essentially getting these guys I play poker with in Vegas. They tell me they're in a league where they have a, the, which I think is awesome, a, a speed gun with a yeah. penalty if you go over it. And it's very strict. You know, you can't, which I think is great for wiffle ball. I, so we, wiffle ball should be a game of trying to, you know, throw a strike. You're trying to put movement on the ball. Right. It's, it should be about more about accuracy than it is about brute force. Right. Just like some of these guys away. get throw like Eric and Mack and throw these crazy pitches that bend back into you. Yeah. That's what wiffle ball is about, not just getting up there and throwing 100 miles an hour. Yeah, the ball was made to, to curve, not to, you know, like if, if you want to throw hard, throw a baseball. It's harder, harder to hit a wiffle ball than a baseball. Yeah. It really is because of the, the way you can spin it. Do, do you remember about how far away you guys threw? Like what what the, the what the distance was between your all strike zone and the and the mound? I think our field was about I want to say eighty feet to straightaway center, and the mound was probably about halfway. So about forty um, feet. I think it was like thirty thirty six to forty feet is what kind of. I would agree with that. Thirty six to forty, like and then the, the, when we played at Conkles, which was a deeper field, it was a little bit deeper strike zone. Yeah. But because most like leagues, it's about forty five to forty eight feet from the rubber to the strike zone. Yeah, that would be ideal. Cases. We didn't have yeah. enough room, really. I mean, the Conk- way we played, we did, didn't have the room to yeah. make and it. Yeah, has the Clater Field. It was definitely in that range. It was mm-hmm. definitely forty-five feet. You work with what you got, you know. So yeah, I'm right. <laughs> like the, I just remember the transition from going to Meadow Lane Park to you know Clater Field, just trying to get the pitches. Yeah, it was like two, yeah, two different. It, it, yeah, it was every bit of that. Relearning everything about your your pitch, right? Which has made it made it better to have the bigger field. It was more. Fair, I think. I would actually scoot back even further. I, I liked because I th- I developed a pretty decent riser. And pretty decent. If you were too close, you know, it just didn't have enough time to work. So I would always like scoot back as far as I possibly could mm. to you know get up to do what I wanted to do. Now, were you guys strictly the yellow banana bats, or yes. did you guys? Okay. Oh yes. My so my uncle Rick Rick Ryan, sports writer in Charleston, mm. he was the one who invented. He brought wiffle ball to all of us really, mm. and he was swerved by the yellow bats. So. Yeah. Only girls. No, we did play in a tournament at Central where the girls could use a big bat, and it really right. was an advantage because you could get Michelle Tolbert. <laughs> you know, Michaela Respect took this guy deep for for the title one year. So girls were actually mm. valuable in that tournament. Yeah, if you had a softball player that like was able to use those red bats, the like, Fred yeah. Flintstone red bat. Yeah, uh, we call them the Captain Caveman bats. Or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's going to take you deep. Now MLY did they? Now when we played up there, they had more of a black 
baseball bat. I yeah, would they, say. Uh, Louisville Slugger actually makes a, a, an Easton Pro Sticks. Uh, it's, it look, basically just looks like a baseball bat, uh, and it's plastic. Yeah, they have like, that's exactly what it was. like grain, like little yeah. plastic. It yeah, like it looks bat. just yeah. like wood grain. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you put bat tape on it, you wouldn't even know it until you picked it up. It's like wow. Yeah, they. But yeah, we were yellow yellow stick. You got to use the yellow stick. Yeah. When I when I was a kid, we used to play with before I played with these guys at Wiffle Bowl. I remember playing with this ball. I don't know if you guys remember it. It was essentially like a dark gray solid ball, mm. but it, the outside covering on it looked like a baseball. Like one side would be one would be white, one would be blue or red. Mm-hmm. You guys remember remember those at all? Those things used to go. Yeah, those, yeah, they would hurt too, and they yeah, hurt. I mean, they uh, would break your face. I, yeah, there was a play school used to make uh, like a rubber. Uh, they made a plastic ball that was solid that even had uh, uh, threads on them, like it was just ra- like raised threads. Uh, I we would just uh, do batting practice off of those or whatever before games uh, in my old league, and I took one of those. Uh, I took a bat hop off the driveway, and it gave me like a bruise that lasted most of the summer. So. Um, but battle wound I, yeah uh it was lame is what it was like we should have been using the <laughs> the whole time that's something that uh i think is weird about wiffle ball in general here is most people i find at least in my part of state i don't know in wheeling but they do not it's like a band-aid adhesive bandage thing they don't really understand it. it's wiffle registered trademark ball oh yeah you know what i mean so and it's, it's not whi it's wif yeah it's uh it's the ball with the eight oblong holes on the one side it's not there's something to be said too for when you hit the yellow plastic off the ball i think it like you can backspin it more yeah it performs it's almost a like a perfect way. marriage the way the yellow stick and the, and the ball when you really catch it right you know you hit a wiffle ball i was hitting with my girlfriend area we're hitting wiffle ball when you hit one right when you backspin it yeah i don't think you can do that with a bat i think it has to be the yellow bat yeah so in a way, it really less is more. I think. Well, it's amazing too. You could absolutely crush the ball uh, when you're at bat, and if the holes oh, yeah. are facing out, you catch a right. Doesn't even matter. You know, it's, you're just going to pop it up to somebody. If the holes are facing a certain way, then it's just amazing. It'll just fly and fly. It's just amazing. <laughs> I think that's what adds to the intrigue of wiffle ball is like you can hit a ball kind of off the end of the bat, mm-hmm. and it'll go out. Where you can hit one perfectly, you know, maybe you don't catch the holes right. And so, you know, guys that are maybe lesser players can hit home run. You know, I think that yeah. added to the intrigue of wiffle ball. I really do. I think it has this just, board game effect of just like you know, like D and D. Like, oh, you rolled a four. Sorry, you know, it's like <laughs> yeah, guys, you can <laughs> hit a ball almost in wiffle ball, and it goes farther than if you hit it perfectly. And I think that really adds to the intrigue of it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's just uh, a lot of times people don't really catch my meaning when I say wiffle ball. It's just like any plastic ball, uh, and if you just go to like a a discount store and just find just any any plastic ball and just any plastic bat uh it's just not going to be the yeah we played thing. so we played an apartment can we were talking about and they had um kind of like a pickleball right we had the mm. just the holes throughout the ball like the little circular holes yeah yeah and they had you know bigger bats but the ball just doesn't it doesn't carry as well it doesn't have that that backspin to it's thinner it plastic you know, and, yeah yeah, it feels like a different sport. You know, you really if we got to give Uncle Rick credit for that. You're gonna play wiffle ball. You gotta be the yellow bat. There's there's no alternative. It's, it's just, see for us, you guys at least got started right. We it took us a while to find our way to the correct equipment. Like our our old league, the Garrett Drive Wiffle Ball League, from like twenty two thousand two to twenty ten. It was us basically going through a series of equipment until we started our current league in 2012 where it was like it took us a decade to get to where your league <laughs> uh you, you were given 
the innate knowledge from you know the elders you know <laughs> yeah we, we had the we had the recipe right yeah from the yeah. beginning you got to use the yellow bat. I mean, any, anything else is a fraud. I mean, simply a fraud. It's like, and I think that's the way the, the game was meant to be played. I think the designers. Yeah, you just have I to use the all, right equipment. Yeah. Oh, oh I mean, we all, it, we all learned it from grade school uh, gym class. Yeah. yeah. You the plastic. Use you can't use the the wrong equipment. You got to use the right stuff. Yeah, you you eventually right get to the same place. It's like those uh, guys in the Dominican that you know they they make gloves out of milk cartons and stuff, but uh, still. Would have been cool if you had a glove, right? So for sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of gloves, they use gloves in in Michigan. They would use gloves when yeah. we played. Only only the pitcher. Only the right. pitcher was allowed to use gloves. Right? Yeah. Hesfield was, was ball league at the same different thing. role, you know. Yeah. But they 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 really try to incorporate baseball into. Are you sure ball. about that? I remember. No, they yeah, definitely had a glove. I remember. I thought everybody had a glove. It might have been everybody. Well, no, I just. I think that picture. would make it harder. I, I'm pretty sure everybody had a glove in Michigan. I think yeah, because you would play a guy at third. First baseman had a glove. They yeah. were really big on adding baseball into wiffle ball, which makes it great. You know, every league has their different rules. Every league, you know, every field is different, right? You're basically based off the way your your land is laid out. That's what makes it great, I think. So, I want to go play. You guys want to play? <laughs> <laughs> so you guys. Uh, from what I read on the website here, you guys did like your, I'm not really sure what to call this, uh, if it had a name, your your co-op series of whatever it was called with Major League Yardball from like 2000 to 2008. Uh, I was going to ask what sparked that, but you already told me. How many games did you guys normally play each time? And what ended that? Because uh, like, I'm not really sure uh, if there was a particular reason why you guys stopped playing them, because uh, I think you guys still played like maybe a little bit longer after that, or did they the major league yard ball kind of stop after that? Because I think they still you know played. they they kind of slowed down. Well, the last year they came down, we beat them up pretty good, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I think it was a forest. They were kind of slowing down as far they they. I mean, you got to imagine they're five years older than us, so everything that we're doing, they're doing five years ahead. You know, having right. kids and marriages and jobs, and so um. That was pretty. It wasn't like there was ever, a, you know, an issue or anything. It was just, and I was like Eric said, I was spending my summers in Las Vegas. Made it a lot harder to play these guys, you know, to play wiffle ball. And um, we played. We would go up there. They would come to Wheeling, and it was just, you know, for about eight years. That was. I, I, I feel like what happened at the final year that we played, we were just in the heart of playing every week. And we had grabbed a couple of new guys that were like really tough, Brett and yeah. Tyler and Conkles, you know everybody that came with those guys and they only had like three or four guys they'd bring three or four guys down we had like 15 yeah. guys you yeah. know and yeah they were probably in the in the phase where they were, they were having kids you know and they just didn't dedicate the time they didn't play as much and we were playing literally every week sometimes multiple times a week and, and like you and know pretty life, good life gets in the way right i mean oh, yeah. in uh it, i think taylor at some point probably stopped throwing that rise ball <laughs> it can't be good on your arm to throw that I mean, he would throw. He would dip down to like where the ball would touch the ground, and he would throw it up, and it was just. I mean, even when you hit it, it would just go straight backwards because of the spin. So, yeah. At some point, he stopped throwing that rise ball, and then you know, I mean, it was like it was, we actually did play. So, was it two, three years ago? Yeah, I don't want to say we passed them by because that's definitely not the right. No, way not to the say. case. It at was all. just we were seasoned, and they were kind of like not playing as much. Yeah, we got older. Like, they got stop, older. Stop being a priority. You know, drive six yeah. hours to play wiffle ball. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it was two or three years ago. I'd gotten a, a sweet comp at the Pirate game at mm. the Pirate Stadium. Uh, they had some messed up some food order, and they gave us a free suite. So those guys came down, and we all went to the Pirate game, and then we played the next day at uh, Clater Field. That was 2020, maybe? I think it was pandemic here. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know. Yeah, 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 2021, I think it actually was. I mean, th- th- these guys are now in their 40s, you know. Like, 
they're bringing three or four guys down. We've always had an arsenal. I mean, we could have gone to a dozen different guys if we needed to. So that was probably. It was, yeah, I think their their league kind of fizzled out too. Well, I mean, and, naturally, you, know, you know, get older, and our league just started accumulating more and more interest from you know other uh, generations within our area. And especially the the style we played, where you're running the bases, you're throwing. I mean, you're pegging guys. You're mm. you know, you, you kind of got to be in good shape to do that. And you get older, it's, t- it's harder to do for everybody, for sure. Yeah, I mean, your all's league was definitely one of the influences on our style. Uh, like my my old league, anyway, which was just we carried over much of that uh, into our current league. Um, but. Uh, we're all's website's not around anymore or anything like that. I used archive.org to try to, you know, you only basically just get the homepage. <laughs> you don't really get to dig around uh, or anything like that. So it's not really clear to me like the when or, or what or anything like that. What, uh, you know, when when did the Matt Velez uh, Wiffle, you know, league kind of kick off? And, you know, what, what kind of precipitated that? We started, what, in 2000? And then 2008 or so, I mean, we, uh, what did we call ourselves before Matt passed away? The WWA, the Wheeling Wiffle Ball Wheeling Association. Wheeling Association. The NWA, the WWA. Yeah. And then uh, Matt, Matt passed away. And then for the 2002 season, it became the Matt Velez Wiffle Ball League. And then uh, once the Clater field came into play and we, we got a new group of people playing, it was basically... Wheeling Whiffs, the the Matt Velez like Wheeling Whiffs uh, organization. So and we, we kind of incorporated the Wheeling Whiffs uh, name into it, probably with our website. I think that was our actual website name. Yeah, but it was still very much the Matt Velez Wheeling Whiffs League. And then you get to that point where everyone's out of college, you know, careers mm. makes it a lot harder to get people together to play wiffle ball. You know, people are moving different places. So probably we had what eight year, eight year, nine year run where we were really popping. Every every Sunday, every Sunday, you know, and you know, we still try to get together once a year and try to get to play. But you know, you get older, it's tough, definitely. That makes it hard. Yeah, <laughs> parents, parents sold the house, no feeling. <laughs> now, I I believe you were telling me that you guys had like uh, one last game uh, before the at, at Meadow Lane before the the house was sold. We did. We had uh, we had a nice. It was about 130 degrees <laughs> Memorial Day weekend, <laughs> yeah. and these guys threw every pitch of every game. You guys yeah. played in the finals, right? Yeah, we played in the finals. It was 18 innings. I mean, I was so just spit pent up on setting it up. Not, it was like nothing, to... nothing game in the 18. Yeah, yeah just just done, exhausted. <laughs> Somebody probably hit a home run to end it. Yeah. And, Nobody uh, about wins 30 beers. It, it was probably a 1-0 end from by the guess. We did have a good turnout, though. We had a really nice – everybody came and uh, said, said goodbye to the old field. Good 20-year run we had down there, so that, that was fun, yeah, yeah. The, the final game. It was definitely – it was the pandemic, too, where – you weren't doing anything. You weren't, you weren't supposed to get together, right? You to... Yeah, huge turnout. Socially yeah, distanced. We had 25 turnout. guys playing wiffle ball in this little closed quarter. Wiffle, wiffle brings the people together, you know? That's right. That's right. That was fun. Well, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask this, but, I mean, considering the history of your league and uh, just, you know, the, the fact that you guys still get together and everything, I mean, is there ever a, a chance that, uh, you know, wheeling whiffs or – Willing Wiffle Association or NWA or Matt, Matt Velez Wiffle League or, you know, all these uh, different <laughs> things that the, the group has been called, that that could ever uh, be unearthed again, or is that just a gone-for-good kind of deal? I think, you know, get together here once a year or two, twice a year maybe. I mean, 
Yeah, that's probably the extent of it, at least for now, you know, because the majority of people that uh, we did actually. So when we did play the Michigan guys a couple years ago, Matt's twin brother, Mike, and I went down to Lowe's and we bought a couple hundred dollars worth of material and built the fence back up and all the, you know, the everything you need to build a wiffle ball field, which is still in place. I have the, the if we ever did play again, but it's one of those things. It's like Memorial Day, Labor Day, maybe get together. It's just tough. I mean. I can't see it being. A it's tough enough to get four guys together to go golf, and let alone play oh, wiffle yeah. ball. You know, it's 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 one of those things. You, it really is when you're youth. I think really you're primed to to do stuff like that. It's a bummer. Sometimes I think it's, it's uh, more just about doing it than doing it well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we could find a tournament that was like you know worth the time, that was competitive enough, I think maybe, maybe we could do something like that. But. Yeah. Yeah. See, for us, it's just uh, we're we're kind of basically just try to pivot because it my my dream has always been like man if there was just some leagues around you know like and they're just not <laughs> that we could just sort of like uh sounds like we have to play you guys yeah right? like funnel to... towards and uh we, we've been looking to maybe like rebrand our league to like west virginia wiffle or something because like it's just so much easier to start a team than it is to start yeah. a league i think that's a great idea you I know what i mean and making it west virginia wiffle yeah make it west virginia wiffle or uh like uh, tri-state wiffle is just like well which tri-state there's like different tri-states appalachian wiffle is just like well that's maine to alabama so you know not very specific so if like there's somebody in beckley or bluefield or parkersburg or morgantown or you know wheeling or you know whatever uh or even like in those ohio valley areas or, or, or whatever that may go like well i can't i don't have a league but i've been wanting to play and i've got like three four dudes well, it's crazy now because everyone's playing pickleball, right? So you, these pickleball leagues are don't popping up it. everywhere. Or cornhole. You don't see like a – there's no like yeah. – actually, I think there might be one in Moundsville, I've heard, like yeah. a wiffle ball field, like yeah. a pickleball court. Like you see these pickleball courts pop up. There's no wiffle ball yeah. fields they're, popping they're, up. What they're you know, doing is they're taking the credit. It's going to not help grow the game yeah. like the way pickleball is blowing up. And that, that'll just be future you know, abandoned space. It's not like pickleball is the new – uh you know it might be i don't know if you play pickleball people are crazy about it they are for now but i mean i i I just don't see someone's just gonna be there no one is gonna be holding a pickleball racket on a box of wheaties you know what i mean like i just don't see that uh it's not gonna be in the olympics it's not gonna be uh it might be on the ocho or something but like it's just yeah you don't see like a pickleball field like the way you would see a pickleball court where it's yeah. uniform, you know, very like much the that, city builds them and the tax dollars build it. Right. It's very much in that like golf realm where you don't need to be all that great of an athlete and think about what you're doing as you get older. Like yeah. you're not playing football yeah. in your 60s. You're playing golf and you're playing pickleball. Lifelong sports. tennis and stuff like that. Lifelong sports. That's, I mean, that's what the advantage they have to it. Yeah. But I think it's know. also kind of serving as a point of – urban renewal to a degree like they're taking spaces that are sort of falling into disarray like old tennis courts which are like the obvious choice that are no longer being used because no not a lot of people are playing tennis anymore those are easily converted to pickleball because we have an aging population because of the baby boomers so well they can't play tennis they can play pickleball Uh, i think that's what makes pickleball so popular the older people right really driven it up but yeah, like you don't see like you're not gonna drive by your local park and see a wiffle ball field, right? No, like, they're not gonna think, invest. That's in what that. separates, you know, the young kids playing it and like you don't see it on TV. I think I really think it would do well on TV as sort mm-hmm. of a, a niche sport, you know, like a like a cornhole or pickleball. Poker. Poker, yeah. yeah. I mean, well actually the NWA All Star game that was played before the tournament is supposed to be on the Ocho. 
uh, from what I'm told, or ESPN2 or whatever. The Ocho's yeah. not real. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't have from cable. Dodge. I stream everything, so I, I don't even know. Uh, the Ocho's from Dodgeball, right? Yeah, yeah, but they na- they call things the Ocho every yeah. once in a while. I, I, don't, the Ocho. I don't even well, know. Well, like the TV, we went to the, uh, the TBT there, the basketball tournament, right? The open <laughs> basketball tournament. That's on. That's very popular. That grows every year. You know, I think there's an appetite for things like that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's just... Uh, uh, sometimes there's not going to be an appetite because it's not being put in front of them enough. Like they they put they only put the NWA tournament championship on ESPN Plus, so that was on there for like an hour. Uh, that's would it be on like a on demand stream you could find? Or that I'm it... not sure. Uh, so I'm not sure if that was just a live only kind of deal um, or or not. So I, I'm not uh, not sure. So sounds like we need someone like you know Elon Musk to come. <laughs> yeah, drop a billion dollars in a wiffle yeah. ball and. If he's not busy launching rockets, if he could just uh, find the time. Somebody had a bunch of courts, you know, somewhere, somewhere central location where a bunch of people could go. I think. Yeah. It could do well. I mean, I don't, I don't see why not. I mean, I, I don't. As long as you get the speed limit down. Yeah, it's baseball adjacent, so I, I, I don't see how like maybe even baseball, like major league baseball, could see about like looking into that because most of baseball's money into growing the sport seems to actually be outside. Uh, of the United States, uh, they they do all their camps and stuff like that uh, in, into growing like into like the Dominican Republic and, and, and Cuba and uh, places like that, uh, like the Dodgers, Mexico, and, uh, Mexico, and places like that. It's almost like these facilities that they have to basically grow talent um, there, and that's cool for them. But it's, uh, you know, it's also sort of to the point to where it's. Almost an alien yeah, the uh, the Pirates Stadium has a little like wiffle ball place for kids out in right field. I think every baseball team would yeah. behoove them to add something like that. Yeah, so it's just uh, I mean that would be because like playing, you think about playing baseball when you're growing up, you got to get nine guys, right? You got to get eighteen guys. Nine. It's just nine. a lot to get. It's a, a lot of work together. to get eighteen guys. You got to do anything, let and alone a big field. Play and it's a lot to keep up a baseball field. You got to drag the dirt. Then there's the mound. The backstop, all the fencing, you know, seeding the grass. It's a lot of love and care and dedication to, you know, that's my favorite part of going to an actual baseball, you know, game is wondering what the field crew did. Like, those you're a baseball nerd. I yeah, like that, those are my favorite people. Uh, actually, the, the Dirty Birds uh, here in Charleston here, uh, we, we used to have an affiliate team here, the Power for the Pirates. The Power, yeah. Yeah. It was there. Yeah, they were not good, but that's not really the point of affiliate ball is to, to grow talent. But uh, that, you know, they were one of the teams thrown out uh, out of like the I don't even know how many teams, like over 50 teams. And then uh, we got into the Atlantic League. And uh, last year they uh, we have a turf field. It's not a, a natural grass field anymore. It broke my heart. That was uh, <laughs> I could stomach the Atlantic League thing because I'm just happy to have professional ball here. But Man, that was tough to swallow. So, but all the same, it's just it's so much easier to have a wiffle ball team and, and a league because all you have to do is just find I don't know a couple hundred square feet and you know half dozen people. Oh yeah, and, and yeah. I mean, and six guys. Yeah. You get six guys. Yeah. Way easier than baseball. I mean, but uh, yeah, just uh, I don't know if uh, you guys would ever consider like uh, driving down all the way here or if we can come all the way up there and finally. You know, actually, so I have. Well, uh, my my uncle Rick, who lives in Charleston, yeah. grew up in Wheeling, who the one that introduced us to wiffle ball. He has a good friend, Ed, Ed Sullivan, who lives in Wheeling. They meet halfway. Yeah, They do this like three times a year. They meet in Marietta, Ohio, and they yeah. play. They find a little park where they can play. They play their one-on-one wiffle ball. <laughs> and he's like <laughs> 68 now, 68. They're still doing this. 
Young. I would definitely be open to like doing like a one-off, like yeah. playing, uh, coming down, and go up the wheeling. I've still there. never, I've there. never been to wheeling. I've, I've never, uh, never had the reason to. Yeah, I've never. I mean, it's just, it's not uh, really on the way to. Uh, it's, it's its own direction. So I've never, like, if I go to Cleveland, well, yeah, when you're from, southern West Virginia, northern Panhandle, yeah, it's not on the way away. anyway. Yeah, if I go to Pittsburgh, like, you're, you're never going to come up here. Yeah, uh, it's not, it's just so far away. If you want to come up, we'll set up again. We'll get, we'll get Clater going. We'll get the I got the fence already built. Yeah, Mikey and I, Mikey and I'll set it up. Yeah, my my dream is that there's teams in just any any of the population centers in West Virginia and and just kind of make something happen that way. It's probably a pipe dream, but a dream nonetheless. I do think you should brand it as West Virginia Wiffle. I think. Yeah. Instead, so, you know that that kind of raises the eye. Maybe try to do something with the colleges or something. Yeah, I, I've waited 20 years for somebody else to start a league ever since, like... Yeah, I took archery class in college. Why isn't there wiffle ball class? <laughs> or bowling. Yeah, there's been bowling and all these... Different... Road bowling. Yeah, so... Yeah, there's bowling leagues. Why isn't there wiffle ball leagues? I'll never understand it. So... Let's leave the door open for that. I wouldn't mind, uh... That's the seven series. Yeah. Put some money on it? We're gonna do it. It's a bet. It's a bet. We'll get DraftKings on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not very good, so uh, I I want to go on a record saying I'm definitely not one of the best players. So, <laughs> what kind of squad do you got? Who you bring up? You got you got some talent. Uh, whoever can come, basically. I, you got any pitchers? Anybody can. Well, uh, we it? play we play medium pitch now, so we used to play fast pitch. But uh, what what we found was uh, kind of something that you guys would have found if you had continued uh, on that route, which is uh, when you play fast pitch long enough, it's very discouraging for anybody that's new. Uh, yeah, nobody wants to come. No one, and up, yeah, no one right? wants to come and get their ass kicked, uh, and, and then just go. And it's just really hard. It's not uh, you can't. Uh, it's not a sustaining way to to keep the league going. Not just that, but I mean, people like to play the field. Like people want right. to ball. You want the ball hit the left field and make a throw to first. Like that's all part of baseball. And then the walks and everything. Like we went to an NBA tournament and stuff. That was that was sort of the move if you wanted to sort of like get anywhere in the bracket was just to uh, in, a, in a savvy way kind of take walks. And that's just. Not not a very exciting way to play the game. So we actually uh, we don't have a way to because money no, ball ruined the uh, the wiffle ball. Yeah, there's there's no uh, speedometer or anything like that. Uh, but we we play medium pitch. Basically, what I do is like if I hear the ball coming at me because you can hear that that whirring you know from the the holes. I'm like, hey, it's probably a little a little too hard there, chief. Uh, yeah, that's always the uh, you know the big issue with wiffle ball. Yeah. just getting the speed right. You yeah. Know. Yeah, we're co-ed, so I mean, if we got somebody coming to to play and like their mom and I got their kids, I was like, maybe don't like get your uh, <laughs> dreams of the show angst out on the mom. Maybe you know, <laughs> play it's like, like a, the uh, heroes at Sunday softball. Yeah, it's like maybe the, maybe the chill, yeah, chill out a bit, you know. But uh, yeah, it's like that. So uh, at our zenith, probably in 2014, 2015, we we had guys that could pitch like in the the upper 80s, and we had guys who pitched college ball and stuff like that, but. Uh, it's it's not always all it's cracked up to be. We're we're more of a hitters league, so but uh, we do. I think everybody wants to be a hitter. You know, everybody wants to hit the ball. And yeah, we're, we do steals field. and stuff too. I I like the base running and stuff. A lot of leagues don't even do the base running anymore. Uh, we throw the, the pegging. The pegging was yeah. We yeah. always did the base running. We do the base running and the and the pitcher circle and, and all that stuff as well. Uh, the pitcher's poison uh, that was big in uh, ML. The Michigan guys were yeah. That was huge poison. for us. Yeah. So the, I I didn't really uh, make that connection in my old league, and that was something we kind of came upon. I saw this thing now where these guys play where you throw the like if a guy's running to home, you throw the ball home, and if it hits 
the backstop before the runner gets there. Yeah, it's we do out. that as well. Either the strike zone or the backstop before they cross home. That's a play at the play. Yeah. Yeah. We have a thing too where uh, if you we have a line that's five feet past third base. So if the runner rounding third crosses that line, they've committed. So they they got to go because a they lot of go. yeah, well, it keeps people from throwing the ball. And then, like you know, the and then the the runner kind of screwing with the fielders and stuff, sort of like stutter stepping. So if the runner rounds third and they've crossed that line, you've committed, so you have to go. So then, gotcha. if you throw the ball and gets them out the plate, so it kind of like really forces people to to, to make that. Well, that's the beauty of wiffle ball. Every, every everyone's got different rules, right? Everyone's yeah. got. Oh, we we really like playing with the rules and stuff. We have the steals as well. So if you throw the ball, steals. How do you? How's steals? So uh, if you. Uh, if the pitcher throws the ball while they're in their windup uh, and before they release the ball, if you're on a base, uh, you can't steal home. But if you say steal uh, and they don't hit the zone, you're awarded that next base. Wow. If they miss the ball, if they miss the zone. Wow. Now, oh, the, wow. What's the percentages of hitting the zone? Well, I mean, it just depends. Be on way what, less than 50. Right? You're, you're basically hedging your bets on them not being accurate. Now, if they hit the zone, you're out is the thing. Now, the thing is, is the batter, if, if that challenge has been declared, the batter can't swing the bat. Because if they do, it's an automatic strike. So it's it's right. basically how a, long in advance do you got to say that? So it's while it's during the windup, but before the pitcher has released the ball. So it's also a distraction oh. for the pitcher. It's also kind of a mind fuck, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can yeah, only do it twice in a game. Most uh, it's only happened a few times during this year. We implemented the rule this year, so a lot of people <laughs> aren't doing it. But it kind of helps in those stalemate situations too. So if you want to get somebody in scoring position, uh, right? Really help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but yeah, we. I mean, we we were playing games in Michigan where it'd be zero zero in the twelfth inning and. 34 strikeouts and 12 walks that's not wiffle ball you know yeah. people want to hit the ball and play play the game right yeah if the first year we played and it was not you know just pretty much lobbing the ball i doubt i would ever come back you know? yeah i mean a lot of I mean, well and the lesser guys that weren't as good i mean I'm not going to name any names but they're not going to come back right like i think the beauty of our league was the worst the worst player hit a couple homers right yeah you know, everybody wants to hit a home run. That's why you play the game. So that, that was always a big impetus for us was to get, you know, promote yeah. promote offense, right? Like, yeah, like, we start. I mean, that's why we didn't do the pitcher things for a couple of years later because you, you were still trying to grow it, you know? Yeah, it was definitely uh, – and we didn't have a left field either, so you had to kind of, like, hit the ball to right field. <laughs> kind of taught you how to play baseball. Yeah. The only thing that a lot of people are going to know about the Matt Velez with a ball league is going to be what is heard <laughs> on this episode and the last episode that I had recorded about just the, the oral history of with ball, the mountain state. Is there anything else about this league that you guys want people to know about? No, I think just thank you for, you know, the, the, the podcast in January you did. I think yeah, I speak for everyone. I think it was really uh, you know, appreciated by us because, didn't even know that anyone knew about our league outside of us and that was really cool and well done and uh you know something you could share and something that we always like to revisit i think speak for matt and eric here and uh, it was always a good time in our lives so it was, thank you because you, you're the one that started all this you know you, you got the ball rolling so oh man it's nothing it just I, I don't have anything else better to do if there's plastic colliding within the borders of west virginia i know about it probably so uh it's <laughs> <laughs> well, anytime you want to bring your boys up the wheeling your girls too right come on yeah we've got uh we've got one uh female in the league uh right now but i mean we're co-ed so it's not so much that we have uh, a lot of female players it's just it's it's whatever uh, there's kind of a lot of uh i made a whole different episode in the national podcast about how 
there's sort of like an unspoken rule about it's like no girls allowed and it's just like hey you know what that is lame uh, <laughs> but, yeah. uh 2023 uh, yeah. yeah well just take what you can get man you know, most west football leagues are really a lot of women are better than men girls could use the the, the bat the, the special bat yeah, I've I've ran some players that were female that uh, they're not good for just being female. They're just straight up good. So, yeah. So that's just uh, if, you, if you need six to play and you got five, and then a good female comes along, you're not going to not play, right? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, if you just cares? if you just if a lot of a lot of leagues out there are just like, man, we just need players. I'm like, well, don't turn anyone away, man. Just just take the players. Yeah, for sure. I was, that's definitely uh, our league was take anybody, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's Anybody all. Want to show up? Yeah, wolfball is just about. Uh, I think uh, that's the the sport. Just kind of, uh, it can find a talent in anybody. I think so. I think that's one of the cool things about this particular. Yeah, game. even guys that weren't good at baseball, I would say that. Totally, I, I think I'm fine. They're calling it wiffle ball. Right? I'm definitely an example of that. Uh, <laughs> I started my league because I got hit in the face. Uh, I lost a pint of blood because I was uh, practicing uh, taking cutoffs uh, and caught a, uh, lost a ball in the sun. So. That's why I'm talking to you right now. Uh. <laughs> no, you know, it's like that first time you get beamed with a yeah. RJ Zitzelberger yeah. got me with one. You're not afraid of the ball until you're afraid of it. You know what until I mean? Until it leaves a mark <laughs> on you. I ran track in high school. My, my baseball career came to a screeching halt after I saw one of my teammates at Little League take a fastball straight to the nose. I was like, all right. Yep. <laughs> I don't, the the curveball started being developed shortly after. I was like, all right. Uh, let's yeah. no blood, let's no get foul. fast, quick. Well, I watched the guy walk uh, into somebody taking uh, some cuts in a batter circle, and that didn't make me afraid. I was like, "Well, that's him. I won't do that." You know, but it's it's when it comes for you and you get hit in the face. It's like, oh, okay, well. Yeah. Well, I would say to a young kid, take, just take a fastball with the back. It's, it's, <laughs> just get it over with. Yeah, you can't be afraid of the ball. Right? Yeah. Well, you, getting hit in the face is one thing, but then losing a pint of blood, I was like, okay, well, uh, that's uh, just. I yeah, couldn't, couldn't get back into it after that. I played. I played three more years uh, after that point. I just, it just never. I was never the same after that. A lot of guys in our league, I don't think even played baseball. I mean, past yeah. grade school. I mean, very few. Judge yeah. Morgan played high school baseball. These two sitting next to me, you know, most of the guys probably didn't play baseball. Yeah, I think that's cool wiffle too. We've we've had it's some guys that played you know, football. Like alternative rock, you know, like alternative music. Like playing wiffle ball was kind of different. Like, yeah, we've had some people played football. Some people that didn't play sports at all and then you know many of them played baseball of some kind so i mean it's just it's its own thing if they just understand the the rules um that's the cool part so well i appreciate you guys taking the time uh you guys are welcome down in huntington uh anytime if we can ever get a group together uh in wheeling i'll i'll for sure be letting you guys know. you're also welcome in wheeling if you can get a squad come up yeah well yeah thanks for having us yeah no problem you guys thank you very much josh it's been a pleasure all right you guys take care all right buddy too all right thanks Thanks again to my guests from the Wheeling Wiffle Association, also known as the Matt Velez Wiffleball League from Wheeling, West Virginia. That's been something of a ambition of mine was to have a discussion with those guys uh, the entire time that I ran the Garrett Drive Wiffleball League. And uh, they were already um, gone for a few years by the time that I uh, established the Huntington Wiffleball League with Greg Sowers in 2012. So something that I've been long wanting to do was to have a conversation with uh, somebody (laughs) at the Matt Velez Wiffleball League. So I'm glad I was finally able to do that. Um, If you're wanting to listen to more episodes of the Wiffle Talk Hour, which is uh, something that we do with the Huntington Wiffle League podcast, you can find them wherever you listen to podcasts. That's 
uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever. Just search Huntington Wiffle League. Or you can find them on our league website at HuntingtonWiffleBall.com. I'm also going to be seeing about um, getting these uploaded, uh, getting this episode in particular uploaded to the national podcast at Holy Commutes. H-O-L-E-Y. Because, you know, hole in the ball. Get it? Eh? Eh? <laughs> Which you can also find on all major podcast formats as well, primarily Apple Podcasts and Spotify. In the off chance there are any other obscure or lesser-known former leagues, or current leagues, uh, for that matter, but uh, especially the former leagues that have been formerly operated in West Virginia that I've missed, please reach out to me and let me know. I'm on Twitter or X or oh, whatever old boy Elon is calling <laughs> uh, that social media program uh, right now at Make Wiffle Great, all one word, of course, no underscores. Reach out to me uh, through Huntington Wiffle. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. I've been your host, Josh Smith. I'll catch you the next time on Wiffle Talk Hour. See ya.